Proverbs says, but for a person who's empty, even something bitter tastes sweet. And when you're bitter and empty inside, you find yourself grasping and taking on things that are just not good for you. They're destructive. Bitter people often are insensitive and unloving. They're not thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. They're not thinking about, yeah, yes, of course, they're not forgiving. Yes, they're very, because they're self-centered. But they're also just, their relationships are in constant turmoil and conflict. Constantly something going on. But here's the thing I want you to see this morning as we're looking at, at bitterness as well, that Hebrews 12 is trying to help us understand and a couple of other passages in the Bible. And that is that, that bitterness, a bitter root, causes you and I to be indifferent with God. That when, when, bitter, when a bitter root begins, when a bitterness begins to take root, it causes us to be uninterested, unmoved, unconvicted with God's things, with God's will. Let me give you an example of this. This, is, this would have been up on your screen, and maybe they'll get it up there. This is Proverbs 29. If you've got a Bible, you'd like to turn over there. This is Proverbs 29, verses 18 and 19. This is the Hebrews 12 version in the Old Testament. In fact, I believe Hebrews 12 was written with this passage in mind. And look at this. Listen to what it says. It says after God has given a, a, made a covenant with his people. Oh, my. Here we go. After God made a covenant with his people, he makes, gives us this warning. Make sure there is no, no man or woman, clan or tribe among you today, whose heart turns away from the Lord, our God, to go and worship the gods of those nations. Make sure there is no root among you that produces such bitter poison. When such a person hears the words of this oath, he invokes a blessing on himself and therefore thinks, I'll be safe even though I consist in going my own or consist of going my own way. This will bring disaster on your land. It's interesting. He's saying that you both in the Old and New Testament, make sure a bitter root isn't growing in your heart. And you say, Why you, why is this a point to him? Well, what I want you to understand is I know many of us here, if not all of us, we're interested in sinking our roots deep this year. You know, the theme of this year is sinking roots, raising fruit, right? That, that God's wanting us to get deeper and deeper in a relationship with Him and understand Him. And by doing that, it results in fruit. What we see, again, I go back to the bulletin cover. I think it illustrates it really well. That what happens underneath the surface, what happens personally in your life, results in what everybody else sees, what you see and everybody else. What you do and what you are and the things you are when no one's looking. And by the way, no one can look into your heart today. Only you can and God can. And so it's a very personal thing we're talking about in this series. And, and as you're trying, I know many of you are going, you know, Tim, I really want to have deep roots in Christ. I want to sink my roots into Christ, like Colossians says. And I think that's praise God. But you know as well as I do, the seeds of bitterness, because roots don't start as roots. They start as seeds. The seeds of bitterness are sown in our life on a daily basis. And right along with the, the seed of the Word of God, this seed of bitterness can grow right alongside it if we're not careful. And what did Jesus talk about? He said that one time that, that our hearts sometimes grow weeds and those roots choke out what God's able to do. And I, I just want you to know that you know, we, we, need to, we need to understand that there's a warning in the Scriptures about bitterness, about having a bitter root grow alongside, grow in our hearts like the Word of God grows. I don't know about you, I don't know how to identify that sometimes. You know, this spring... We're out in the landscape, and Denise and I, and I'm, she goes, we've got to clean the landscape up. Okay. And I'm getting ready to grab some stuff to pull. And she goes, what are you doing? That's, that's a bleeding heart. It looks like, well, I thought that was, no, that's a weed. Pull it. I don't know the difference. They look the same to me. Well, you'll know the difference this fall. You pull that bleeding heart, and we got this big old horse weed, you know, 
Thank you, Tim, for not killing me. Aren't I pretty? <laughs> the bleeding heart's beautiful, you know. Don't pull that. It's a combine. I don't, I, 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 what do I pull? Here, I'll, let me go with you. Pull that, pull that, pull that. Leave that, leave that. Sometimes you and I just need help, don't we? I don't know the difference. Sometimes I don't know I have a bitter heart till somebody points it out. That I have something bitter growing in my life. That's what I love about our church. The accountability we have here. That we strive to help one another. And, and he says there, see to it that nobody misses the grace of God. He's saying to this church, help each other. Make sure a bitter root doesn't grow in y'all. I got to thinking, you know, again, like I say, this bitter root, it, it really has an impact on us. And I found a passage this morning that I just, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I didn't know it was there. I thought I've read my Bible. I've read my Bible cover to cover now. It's my fourth time over it, and I didn't see this verse. I don't know how it got by me. But in Amos, if you want to write this down and look at it later, this is Amos chapter 6, verse 12. And listen what it says. It says, can horses gallop on rocks? And the answer is, no. He goes, can oxen be used to plow rocks? New Living Translation says, stupid even to ask. That's a dumb question. He goes, but that's how stupid you are when you turn justice into poison and make bitter the sweet fruit of righteousness. And I want you to know, guys, I want you to know, church, the world is sowing all kinds of bitter thoughts and bitter seeds in our lives. And we've got to learn to recognize why. Because we've got to learn to recognize good or bad, better or bitter roots in our life because they affect our fruit. What our life's going to become is based on where our roots are. Another thing I noticed here is that not only do, do, does a, a, a bitter root will produce better fruit, uh, a bitter fruit, that a bitter root will spread. It spreads. Like any root, it's designed to spread. And if I don't watch it, and if I'm not, if I'm not on top of it, it spreads in not only into my life, into every area of my life, bringing a cynical, negative, grumpy element to it, but it'll also spread into the people that are closest to me, into their lives. How many times has this happened at work? Somebody begins to have a problem with something, and the next day there's two people, then three people, then four people. How many times has this happened in a church? Somebody gets bothered, then another person gets bothered, then another person gets bothered. How many times has it happened in a family? You want to know, you want to know if you're bitter? Just listen to your kids. Just listen to your kids sometimes. See, what are you talking about, Tim? Have you ever had this happen where you say something and then somebody else that's close to you who heard it says the same thing and you go, ooh, that's a, I wouldn't say it like that. Well, you just did. Bitter, a bitter root will spread. Negativity will spread. You better watch for these bitter roots because they're designed to spread and take over. Right now, you know... Um, Right now, you know, it's fall and the vines, the morning glories and a lot of this stuff. And, you know, the gardens are getting overgrown. Am I, am I right? You know, you, 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 it's not as clean and pristine as it once was. Now the, the weeds are growing and they're taking over because you're not out there all the time. Because you basically you're thinking you're done. And a bitter root left to itself will spread. But not only that, a bitter root will destroy you. It will destroy you. It leads to a bitter end. It says here in Hebrews 12, see to it, you know, that you don't miss the grace of God. And then no bitter group grows up, grows up to cause trouble and says to defile many. Defile. What's that word mean? It means to pollute, corrupt, to ruin. And he says that you don't want a bitter root to grow because it'll spread and it will destroy others and your own life. In fact, he says, you'll miss the grace of God if this happens in your life. Now, church, I want to, if you're a guest, by the way, I'm, I'm glad you're here. The Greater Alton Church, have I got your attention yet? 
Has God got your attention yet? He warns us to not let bitter roots grow in our life. And that bitter root, I know some of us here are going, oh yeah, I don't want to be bitter towards somebody. No. He's talking about something else growing in our life that's different than what God wants. He's talking about something that's not of the kingdom of God. And if I'm not careful, it's going, it will grow and it will destroy you and it will destroy me. We'll miss the grace of God over it. That doesn't sound good, does it? Now, this week, I, I want you to know, I, I struggled. I, I've worked on this sermon trying to figure out, what's the point of Hebrews 12? It's a warning. It's a sober reminder that you just don't become a Christian and then do whatever you want. That being a Christian is about seeking my roots and depending on God and God alone. That I find my source of nourishment, my source of faith, my life is centered in Jesus Christ. We're an American church. How much has the culture confused you? Think about that for a minute. How much, of, how much of our culture has changed the way our expectations and plans when it comes to what God wants? Because we're a very selfish culture. And this week, as I, as I, read, as I read about this passage, I, I read so many commentaries. I listened to so many other guys thinking what they said. Some, you know, I read a bunch of sermons, and I'm looking at what do people think, and they all want to make this passage about being bitter towards somebody. I only know three people that look at this passage, at least at this moment, three people I know that look at this passage, well, and the way I'm, about to t- the way I'm telling you, Two of them are in this building. Bitter root. Something sour is in my life. Something, you know, I remember one time in band, we used to play, I used to give our band director fits, Mr. Bennett. He was a new band director, and we gave him, I'm, I'm ashamed of how we treated him. And Noel Piercy, and I know Piercy was first trombone, I was... I was second chair, first trombone. Never could be first. He was always bad. He could play. He could write music. He wrote Mozart. And, you know, he could do stuff, rearrange stuff. And we're playing, you know, and, and, and we would, you know, we, we would give him fits. Well, the band director we had before that was Mr. Wallace, and you didn't mess with Mr. Wallace. And I remember one time we were playing around with Mr. Wallace. We're playing this big symphony song, you know, in high school. And I hit a sour note. I on purpose. You know, he goes, Stop. Somebody's hit a wrong note there. Let's try it again. I'm like, Noel goes, do it again, do it again. Okay, okay. A little bit. Stop, stop. It's over here somewhere. I'm going, oh. How does he know that? And I mean, I'm playing it quieter and quieter. It's in the trombone section. He figures he keeps playing. It's in the trombones. That sour note quit. You quit giving Mr. Wallace a hard time. All of a sudden, it got really good. He knew. I think he knew it was me. Is there something that's just sour? That just doesn't fit with what God's wanting? You see what I'm saying? It's just a little off. You know, we're, we're, doing, we're playing our own thing. If you notice there in, in Deuteronomy, he says in Deuteronomy 29 that they think, I can do what I want and it'll be okay. They're playing a little bit their own note. And he says, that'll destroy you. What is, you know, this bitter root? How do I, how do I deal with the bitterness when I'm bitter? Because all of us, can I say this? I, I, we've all got something to be bitter about. So, just being a human being, trying to be like Christ, we're in a different. You know, we, we don't play all the notes like He wants us to. So there's a little bit of a sour. Our earthiness, our sinnerness. We, there's a pungent odor 
that just happens to be there because we're not like we need to be yet. God's still working on us. So how do I, how do I deal with this bitter root? I, I wrestled with this going, you know, Lord, I don't even know where to go with this. What do I do? And, you know, I couldn't find anybody who would deal with it like this. I thought, you know, good preachers can steal good ideas. You know, I'm trying to be a good thief here. Maybe I can find something. Finally, I just felt like, I guess I'm supposed to look at my Bible. So I looked up every verse in the Bible in six different translations that had the word bitter in it. It took me hours. And then God led me to, to this passage. And it's in Psalms 73. And let me read it to you. This is the New Living New Living Version of Psalm 73. And what we learn is, here's a guy who's discovered he's bitter. And how, he, how God helps him avoid, to pull out the bitter root in his life, and even to avoid them. This is Psalm 73. This is a guy by the name of Asaph. It's not a Psalm of David, but a Psalm of Asaph. It says, Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I came so close to the edge of the cliff my feet were slipping and I was almost gone for I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness they seem to live such a painless life their bodies are so healthy and strong they aren't troubled like other people or plagued with problems like everyone else they wear wear pride like a jeweled necklace and their clothing is woven of cruelty these fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for They scoff and speak only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens and their words strut throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. You know what another word for dismayed is? Another word for dismayed is troubled. Another word for dismayed is offended. And I think another word for dismayed could be bitter. Verse 11, does God realize what is going on, they ask? You ever ask that? God, do you know what's going on? Why aren't you doing something about it? I've been asking that for a couple of months. Pray like that. Pray the other, just prayed the other day. There was a meeting that's going to be going on, and I prayed and fasted. And our, the elders, the rest of us prayed and fasted. And I said, Lord, are you just going to sit there and do nothing? And I'm yelling in my truck. I'm sure people driving by going, who's that guy yelling at? I'm going, and I'm bawling. God, are you just going to sit there and do nothing? And then I shake my head and I go, I know, Lord, you're doing something. But are you just going to sit there and do nothing? Because you've got to show up this time. You've got to do something with this. You ever felt like that? Do you realize what's going on? They ask, is the Most High even aware of what's happening? Look at these arrogant people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. And then he begins to ask himself this. Was it for nothing that I kept my heart pure and kept myself from doing wrong? You ever felt like, man, I'm doing the work. Remember what about Bob? I'm doing the work. I feel like I'm doing the work. I'm really trying to be faithful. And and, and am I wasting my time? Because all I get is trouble all day long. Even even, uh, every morning brings me pain. And then he says this, if I'd have spoken this way, I would have been a traitor to your people. He's saying, if I'd have spoken this way, I would have spread some poison. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper. But what a difficult task it is. Then one day I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I thought about the destiny of the wicked. Truly you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant, they're destroyed, swept away by terrors. Their present life is only a dream that is gone when they awake. When you arise, O Lord, you will make them vanish from this life. Then I realized how bitter I'd become. How pained I had been by all that I had seen. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Yet I still belong to you. You're holding my right hand. You will keep on guiding me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? Sounds like a song, doesn't it? I desire you more than anything on earth. 
My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. But those who desert Him, He's talking about people who let this bitter heart poison them. Those who desert Him, who turn their backs on the Lord, will perish. For you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter. That's another song. And I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. Let's pray. God, as we look at this passage, Lord, I know some of us here, we have a root of bitterness growing in our heart. Oh, it might be towards someone. But Father, sometimes we're bitter, not just about somebody, we're bitter with ourselves. Sometimes we grow bitter of you. We become cynical. We wonder if you're going to work. Father, I just, I, I can still, I, we can identify with Asaph right here who's asking questions like, why? Why is this happening? Oh, Lord, help us today realize how bitter we have become and depend on you to pull it out by the roots. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. How do I avoid bitterness? How do I get rid of this bitter spirit that's in me? We all have it at times. It all happens to us. How do I get it out? It'll destroy me. I got three, three steps you take that Asaph took. Asaph is troubled, and the first thing he does, he, he brings his bitterness to God. So if I want to avoid take, bitterness taking root in my life, I bring my bitterness to God. Let me ask you, are you bitter today? Do you have something you're bitter with, bitter about Can you, can you identify with anything I've mentioned here on this list? Do you find yourself grumpy, negative? Do, 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 you notice, do you notice yourself as maybe self-indulgent, self-centered a little bit? Ask yourself, what's in it for me? Do you find yourself being insensitive, perhaps even unloving toward others because you're just bothered about something and it's just it isn't them, but you're not, you're not able to connect with them because you've got this thing that's just bitter in you and it's pungent enough it stinks up your life if you're getting bothered if you're getting bitter I want to encourage you take it to the Lord bring it to your God what bothers you what's bending you what's bothering you and upsetting you before it takes root in your life, take it to God. And if you've already got it, it's already rooted in your life, you bring it to God anyway, and He'll help you pull it out by the roots. Life is getting, life is getting better for this man named Asaph, and he says things like, why do, he's saying things like this, why are others getting ahead, and I seem to never be able to catch a break? Why has that person got the family I don't have? Why is that person married and I can't seem to find somebody? Why is that person... Why is that person over there? And they don't even follow God, Tim. And, and God, listen, they're getting the promotion. I'm getting passed up. I'm getting fired. What is, this is unfair. You ever asked yourself that? Ever crossed your mind? Asaph is bothered. Do you know what's going on? Don't you see what's going on, Lord? Are you going to just sit there and do something? Even as believers, we get frustrated with God, don't we? When are you going to act? And we even ask ourselves, have I followed you? Am I doing this for nothing? Because I seem to always be getting trouble. I say it this way. I seem to get egg on my face all the time. That's how I say it. No matter what I do, the egg is coming. And we may ask ourselves, hey, what about me? You know, Tim's always saying and the Bible's always saying, God will work everything out for good. Well, when's the good going to come to me? You're getting bothered, aren't you? You're getting bitter. Asaph is just, he's right there with you. And he says, you know what? I'm bothered. I'm getting bothered. I'm getting bitter. And then he says in verse 17, Then one day I went 
into your sanctuary. What is he talking about? I went to church. I went to church. I went to your sanctuary, O oh God, and I thought about the destiny of the wicked. Because, you know, for something happened when I was with the church. Something happened when I was at the sanctuary in your presence, Lord, and I got to thinking. Something was said. Something was done. I don't know what it was. Your spirit, the word, you know, in the, in the, in the, uh, the, the, the sanctuary where he's going, he is hearing praises, singing. He's hearing the word being spoken. And he's also hearing the prayers. He's with other people. And something made him start thinking about the wicked in a different light. And what he saw was, they're the ones that, have a bitter, that, have, that are bitter. They have a bitter end. He realizes, wait a second. He's around the presence of God. All this good stuff. And he realizes two things. The wicked are not better off. They've got a bitter end. And as he's thinking about bitter, he's going, oh, oh, wait a minute. I'm bitter. Isn't that weird? Here you are in the presence of God amongst all the good stuff, the best stuff, the better stuff. And God reveals something bad. On my senior trip of high school, we went to uh, New York and Washington, D.C. We were at the Smithsonian Institute, and I got to see the Hope Diamond. Have anybody else seen the Hope Diamond? Yeah, I saw it too. It was amazing, beautiful. And I noticed two things about the Hope Diamond. The first thing I noticed was how bright and spectacular it was, and then I saw the black velvet that it's setting in. I thought, oh, I see what they're doing. They're showing how pretty it is. I'm putting it, putting it with something that's totally the opposite. And I appreciated it. I appreciated the velvet. Can I tell you, Asaph, when he goes before God, he's, he's thinking, this is what's going on. He comes with a bitter heart and he doesn't realize it. And then God, out of all the good things around him, he goes, I'm a bitter person. And he isn't going, oh, here comes the shame. Oh, I'm awful. I need to leave. No, it's a good thing, church, for God to reveal something like that in your life. And maybe you've got some bitterness this morning. Don't be afraid for God to, to reveal it when you're in His presence. Because when you're around something better, you see what's bad. And that's good. That sounds like, that's good. No, that's bad. No, it's good. It really is. Now, how can I bring, how can I bring my bitterness to God? How do I do that? I think Asaph shows us by coming into God's presence. I can bring my bitterness into God's presence four different ways. Can we look at them? This point is the longest point of the sermon. Okay? But look at this. Look at this. Here, the, the first thing I can do, the first thing I can do is when I can bring my bitterness to God by worshiping God with other believers. Asaph is going to church. He's with other believers. And from that, he discovers his bitterness. And he leaves better. Look at the Bible says here. I love this because you know the Bible is just so cool. It says, it says, um, I think this is up on the screen for you. Yeah, better is one day in your courts and a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. I've had some people say to me, you know, better is one day in your courts. And Tim, I think that's right. So I'm going to go to church one day. He's not saying that. He's saying, man, just one day is better than a thousand elsewhere. What would Worshiping with God's people on a regular basis do. What would it be if I got together around God's people as much as I could? What would happen? It would change everything. It would turn my bitterness into something better. Look at, look at this next passage. I love this. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise Him. And that's so true. How good it is. It's better then a, then a, uh, then a, a one day is better than a thousand elsewhere. Why? Because it's pleasant and it's fitting. In other words, it's right. It's good. Guys, I'll tell you, our, our celebration last Sunday, how, how could you not see that? You know, I come in and I, and I ask Gary, I said, why don't you MC the thing? And I'm sitting on the back 
and I'm on my iPad, and I'm not, I'm not John McCain, I'm not playing video poker, you know, during something important. I'm actually doing two things. I'm looking at all the verses that say root and rooted. And I'm on the, back, there on, back there where Robert Vogel said, I sat right there. I sat there on purpose because I wanted to see what would the church like, look like to somebody who just sit back and watch. And let me tell you what I saw. I'll tell you first of all what I heard. I heard singing that was off the chain. What is going on? I mean, gosh, it was praise. It was, it was, and it was good singing. You know, loud singing doesn't always ensure that it's good singing. Some of you are, some of you are tenors. You know that. Some of you sing tenor, really good, ten or twelve feet away. I mean, you're good. But oh, the praise was so amazing. And then what happens? Then. Kim Gaines gets up and shares her story. And I listen to Gary and Alan say, you know, we're not sure what it was. We're not sure what she, she says. She, I'm hearing voices. I was hearing voices. And they were telling me to do all kinds of things. And I see Kim standing in the front of the church. Who's used to hiding is in her right mind. You are in your right mind, Kim. That's what I noticed. I went, that's like a demon-possessed man. This is amazing. She's at peace. What was it? Well, you know, they got with her. And, you know, they brought out a crucifix and the head started spinning. No. They're not even sure. They're not even sure what it was, but they knew it was something powerful. It was a stronghold in her life. And you know what they did? They said, we're just going to pray because we know that will work. And we listen to this story, and the place goes crazy. And not only does Kim get up and share the story of the power of God over a stronghold. Praise God for that. Here comes Jesse Chapel pops up. Well, she throws the shot put, guys, I'm telling you, and throws it well. And she starts laying in. Let me tell you something. We've had five baptisms in our team ministry since camp. It is, it's cranking, and things are amazing. I listened to somebody talk about the children's ministry and how it's, it's got a new, a, a, a new spirit in it. I listened to the campus talking about all the crazy people coming to church. And I say, I don't mean crazy. You're not crazy if you came to church with anybody. But you know what I'm saying. I don't mean to offend you there. I, you know, this crazy thing's happening. Then our young adults start talking about just the stuff that people are changing and growing and they're actually trying to get something accomplished and they've got purpose now and they're not so focused on themselves. I'm thinking, man, this is incredible. And then, then Chris Potter gets up and just basically says, oh, the rest of you, when I'm here and I'm going and we need to forge forward and quit whining and crying. I'm like, holy cow. We need to trust the Lord. And then our senior citizens get up and talk about seniors on the go, and they talk about what's, what else, what's going on there as well. And I'm sitting back, and I'm sitting back and going, Greater Alton is alive and well. There may be a lot of people saying, we're dead and gone. We are alive and we're well. And it comes... And and you say, well, that's awesome, Tim. Well, let me tell you what I'm embarrassed to tell you. I sat there and I realized God was exposing some bitterness in me. Lack of faith. A lack of confidence in what he could do. A lack in confidence of his justice. I think Gary Spurgeon was, man, you know, right on, man. We love God. We love God here. We're going right on. I'm sitting there going, here's Gary, who's been around since the dinosaurs at this church. And this guy, this guy is still on fire for God. And I discover, like Asaph, I have some bitterness in me. I'm bothered. I'm hurt. And I'm asking God, take it out. Rip it out of me. I'm miserable. I'm miserable. 
and I leave so refreshed. I had people say, man, what a crazy, exciting celebration it was. And it was. And I'd say to you, I want to say to you, man, we come to God, come to church, go to church on a regular basis. You need it. We need to be around. Get involved, but bring your bitterness to the to God's sanctuary. Worship with other believers. There's just something about that. It makes a big difference. There's a second thing I can do to bring to bring God into my bring bitterness to God is by developing godly relationships. I just don't think Asaph was setting off by himself in God's sanctuary. He was sitting close enough. I, I have this picture. He's sitting with a couple of buddies. Hey, Asaph, how's it going? Thought I'd check out. You know, come in. Hey, I'll sit with you. Okay, and they're sitting together. And they're hearing the praises of God. They're hear, seeing prayers offered up in, in a, an instance, an instance of, of an offering. They're 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 hearing the word of God being being preached or being read. And I could just imagine, after it's over, God and whoever we'll call him Bill goes somewhere and they talk about it. They talk about what's bothering Asaph. You can't hide what's bothering you, folks. I can't either. You know, Jesus said this, when two or three are gathered together, I'm there too. Did he say that? He believed in groups of two or three. That's a good point. I'll high-five me. Don't you think it's time we agree with Jesus? It's not a small group unless it's got more than three or four. Jesus disagrees with you. What is it? What is he really about? What's he for? He's for a group of people, a few people in your life. He says, I'll show up for that. That's worth coming to. And guys, you need a few people in your life. Godly people in your life. Why? Because so much can happen this way. I can, you know, I'm talking. Well, it's a pulpit. It's over there. But you know what I'm saying. It's one way. I'm doing all the talking. You're doing all the listening. But when you're with two or three, it's a conversation, isn't it? There's an element there. When you bring to a small, a discipling group, Jesus is there too. We need to honor our discipleship groups, guys. Quit. Let's quit being disrespectful about this concept of a discipleship group. Jesus is in favor of it. You should be too. And great things happen when you've got... Guys, God works closely in you through the people closest to you. They better be godly people. You know the passage, Ecclesiastes, two are better than one. I'm not going to say any more about it. Two are better than one. Period. But you bring your, bring your bitterness. What, what do you mean, Tim? I'm saying bring what bothers you instead of pushing it down. See, here's what happens. When we push it down, that's when it takes root. Get it out and talk about it. I have a group of men I get with, and you know, there was something that was bothering me, and within 24 hours I'm calling them. Listen, this is on my mind, because I don't want a bitter root to grow up in my heart and defile and poison this church. You see, when you've got somebody you can talk to, it's, it's like I'm up here, way up here. It's not a conversation. But man, you're hearing me from across the room. There's something different. There's, there's, that's important. I'm not denying it. But there's, there's another element of talking to somebody across the table over a cup of coffee about what's going on and getting some personal accountability in your life. Bring, I'm saying to you this morning, bring your bitterness to God at church. Don't leave it. I'll leave it outside. Don't do that. It's, it's where we get it fixed. This is what we do. But bring it, to a, bring it to your discipleship group. Bring it to a godly relationship and talk about it. Have the courage and the faith to talk about it. You'll be glad you did because two are better than one. And by the way, he says three are even better. Three are even better. Here's the third thing I can do, and that's by meditating on God's word. I get Asaph, I, hear, I, I get the impression, I see Asaph, he's in the, again, he's in the sanctuary and he hears the word of God being read. 
He hears God's word. Guys, listen to me. The most positive book that you could ever read is your Bible. You hear me? Let me say it again. The most positive book that you could ever read is your Bible. Now, I know if some of you who have been following me in the daily text may, may want to challenge that a little bit. Because we've read through Jeremiah, who's called the weeping prophet. Lamentations, which means a funeral song. And Job. Do I need to say anything about that book? And I don't know how many times you're reading this and you're thinking, oh man, what's, he gonna, what's Tim going to find? And what are we reading in, in these books? We're reading things like, though God test me, I will come out as gold. That, that in, in Lamentations, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. He says, every morning I get up realizing that. In the middle of his despair. The most positive thing you can read is your Bible. It'll fill you up. It builds up. It builds you up. What the Apostle Paul told some elders at Ephesus, he entrusts you to the Word that can build you up. You see, bitterness starts with a thought. It's in our thinking. It, we get hurt. We get disappointed. And this seed falls. And it's a negative thought. And if we don't find a way to deal with it, it'll grow into a negative life. And see, God has all the better thoughts. He has the best thoughts of anyone. Look at this passage. I love this. This is in your notes. Is, it, is this in your notes? It says happy. Would you circle happy? Happy, happy, happy. Happy are those who don't listen to the wicked. Why not? They're bitter. Who don't go where sinners go. Why not? They're bitter. Who don't do what evil people do. Why not? They're bitter. They love the Lord's teachings. And look at it says, and they think about those teachings day and night. They meditate on them. They think about them. Remember what Asaph said? He said, I went into your sanctuary and I thought about the plight of the wicked. Something made him think about what he was thinking about. And it was, some, it was a thought from God. And if you guys, I'm going to tell you, I've, I'm convinced of this, that the thoughts of God are not only the best, they are like, like spiritual roundup that you can put on those bad thoughts and just torch them. I think Paul said something about we take every thought captive and make it obedient to God. You know, uh, listen to somebody say something like this. They said, you know, you need to take your thoughts and take them to God and let Him take over those thoughts. Every time you get a bad thought, every time you get a negative thought, just take it to God and say, is this what I should be thinking? Because it says in Philippians 4, you're to think about something else. Think about, it says, things that are good and worthy of praise. Think about things that are true and honorable and right and pure and beautiful and respected. And I, I'll tell you what, guys, those thoughts are all from God. They're all found in His Word. And I've, I've, learned, I've learned something that, you know, does this make sense? And I know this, maybe I'm going to embarrass some of you because you guys got degrees. I don't have degrees, okay? But, but think about uh, If bitter thoughts lead to a better life, then wouldn't better thoughts lead to a better life? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know that sounds so simple. But you know what it says to me? I have a choice. You have a choice. You can choose what you want to think about and dwell on. And if you want to think about how life sucks, guess what? It's going to stink. If your thoughts are in the dumpster, it's going to stink. But when you bring your thoughts into God's presence, into His Word, and meditate on what He has to say, you're going to find that life doesn't get bitter. It gets better. Here's a, let me tell you one last thing here, okay, on, before we go to our next two points. And that is that I, can, I bring my thoughts to God when I ask by asking God for help. I just start asking God for help. Asaph, I believe, because he's in the sanctuary, it was a place of prayer. He's witnessing incense being burned, which represent prayer. And prayers were offered in the sanctuary. I think he's praying. In fact, his psalm is a prayer, isn't it? He writes that after he's been to the sanctuary. And he writes this. He goes, this was so... He goes, man, 
This made such a big impact on me, I've got to write a song about it. So you know it had to be important. And he said, I went to the sanctuary, and I found out I had bitterness in my life. And God, I acted like I was insane. Has your spouse looked at you lately and went, what is wrong with you? Has, has, have, has, has, you, have you, has your kids looked at you? Mom, dad goes, what is wrong with you? You're acting, you're all crazy. Why are you jumping over, over that? Bitterness. And he says, man, I found out I've got bitterness in my life. And he, he goes, I acted like a crazy animal. And yet you held on to me. God doesn't give up on you when you go postal. Just remember that, okay? He says, in fact, he takes me by the hand and leads me to a glorious destiny. I, want, I think of George McFly. You're my density. <laughs> that's the glorious destiny. He said, I'm taking you someplace that's just awesome. Uh, Asaph, and he's going, I realize that now. I get to see him asking God for help. Help me get rid of this bitterness in my life. Help me get rid of this bitter root. Because it's, it's been there a while. Look at the Bible says here. It says, people trust the Lord all the time. This is up on the screen. Trust the Lord all the time. Tell him all your problems. Because God is our protection. He's saying, you tell, tell God everything that's bothering you. How often do we do that? Really? Do we say it like this? My computer was, having, was giving me fits this week. Uh, it was, Jeff Doopy was the answer to my prayers, okay? I called Jeff and he fixed it. But it was, it was like my heart would go, eh, eh. and in three minutes, eh, eh. I had type one word in on my sermon, and I had to wait like 20 seconds before it would appear. And I'm going, God, why is this happening to me? I don't think he's, I don't think he's necessarily wanting those kind of prayers at times, okay? God, you what are you going up to it now? When's this going to stop? You know, I, I, th- I think that you can pray like that if you like. I don't think you'll get struck by lightning. But I did, I did say, Lord, help me not blow my top. Because there was a lot of people around the office I could have went off on. And I asked God for help. And you know what? He helped me. Jeff Doopy. I'm not saying Jeff Doopy can answer all your problems, but he took care of my computer problem. Now he's going, why did you tell people that? Because now they're going to call me. No. Okay. Um, David is bitter. King David is bitter. How do you know that, Tim? Because he's self-indulgent. He's making all kinds of decisions that are irresponsible and destructive. He sees a woman. He's got plenty of women. He's got plenty of wives, but he sees one he wants. She's married. He doesn't care. He knocks off the husband, sleeps with the woman. They have a baby. The baby dies. And look what he asked God to do. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. He says, God, help me with my bitterness. I have, I have something in my life that isn't in sync with your will. And it's making me decide some of the dumbest things. Oh, please, renew a right spirit. He's saying, give me a clean heart. Get the bitterness out of me. Now, that's, that's how you bring your bitterness to God. Now, my two short points will be done. What's the second thing I can do besides bring my bitterness to God? The second thing I can do is I can rely on God for my justice. You know what causes a lot of bitterness, guys? We don't believe God's going to make it right. We don't think God can make it good. So we try to do it. Well, I don't trust God to work it out. I'm going to work it out my way. And that's what gets us in trouble. Look at this passage. Look what he says here. Because then I realized how bitter I'd become, how pained I had been by all that I had seen, how foolish and ignorant I must have seemed like a, a senseless animal to you. And then he says this, yet I still belong to you. You're holding my right hand. You will keep on guiding me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. He says, you know, I've realized something, Lord. By being in your sanctuary, by bringing my bitterness to you, that you work your justice, that you're fair. And what you've reserved for me as a follower is a glorious destiny, not a bitter one, but a better end. 
Then he says, whom, I, whom have I in heaven but you? He makes a choice. I desire you more than anything on earth. You know what he's saying there? He's saying, I'm going to pick you above anything on earth because anything on earth is not going to cut it for me. And my health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but you, God, remain the strength of my heart. You're mine forever. Guys, do you rely on God to work things out? Do you think He can work things out? Or do you try to take matters in your own hands? Yeah, we do that with relationships. Sure, bitter people going to get vengeance of themselves. They'll try to do that. They'll try to hurt back. I understand that. But, you know, being, just being bitter about life, do you find yourself going, you know what, I'm not waiting any longer. I'm going to find, I'm going to find a man and I'm going to marry him. I don't care if it's I'm settling for less. Well, just remember, when you settle for less, you get less. I can't wait. I can't wait around for you, God. I, I, I'm going I'm to trust my ability to supply justice. How do you think you're good? You think you're pretty good at that? I'm not. God knows how to settle the score. God knows how to make things right at the end a lot better than you and I combined. No, I rely on God for justice. Look what it says here in Isaiah 41. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I told you dismayed. What's dismayed mean? It means, it can be another way of saying bitter, bothered. Just don't be dismayed. I'm, I'm, I'm your God. I'll strengthen you and help you. I'll uphold you with what? My righteous right hand. He said, I'll make sure it works out. Right and good. So don't don't get bitter if I don't do it the, the way you want it or as quick as you. But I'm your God and I'm, I'm in control and my righteousness will be worked out in your life if you'll just trust me. If you'll keep holding on. I've said this, I said this earlier. Was Jesus a bitter person? Can anybody think of any time Jesus was bitter? I couldn't think of it. What about the time he ran the money changes out? He wasn't bitter. He was just angry. No, he wasn't bitter. He wasn't bitter when, when he realized he had to die on the cross. He said, Lord, you know, not, uh, would you take this cup from me? He didn't go, what, man, why does this have to be me? He doesn't do that. He says, Lord, your will be done. How's he able to do that? Because Jesus Christ had a lot of reason to be bitter. You don't think the world tried to sow some bitterness in his heart? How was he able to resist that? I believe it's because he entrusted God with justice. He relied on God to work it out. He's just going to be faithful. And God would work it out. Look what it says here. He did not retaliate when he was insulted. And when he suffered, he did not threaten to get even. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. You know, it's funny. I was telling the first service this. This is really funny. Is there somebody you're bitter with? And he's saying you should just put it in God's hand and let God work it out. You realize there's probably somebody else praying that about you? Am I right? They're probably praying that, you know, I'm supposed to let you judge it fairly and let you take vengeance, Lord, so I'll let you work it out on Tim. And aren't you thinking, realizing that, aren't you, are you hoping God will be fair? Will you be as worked up and excited about God being fair for the person that's wrong to you? Jesus was. He had no time for bitterness. Bitterness wouldn't work. You don't, you don't produce great fruit with bitter heart. And so he relied on the Lord. He relied on his Father. He put his case, his situation in the hands of God and said, you know, whatever you want to do with that, just do it. I'm going to continue to be faithful. He died on a cross. Resurrected from a grave. I don't think he could have resurrected if he had got bitter. And by resurrecting from the grave, he made everything much, much better. Here's my last point. You know, if I want to, if I want to be able to get the roots out of my life, I want to avoid them. It happens when I count my blessings. I'm sorry, when I count God's blessings. 
There's a difference. Because in my first original point, I put my blessings. I said, wait a second. I need to count God's blessings because they're not just blessings in my life, but blessings in other people's lives, and they're from God. And I should count them. Why? Because when I see how many... Do you guys count your blessings? You say, yeah. Have you ever put down a list of everything God has blessed you with? Could you? I don't know. I'll tell you, you couldn't. How can you say that, Tim? I can't. Well, it doesn't mean I can't. You can't either. Why? Because some blessings have slipped by you because you were focused on something bad and, for, and didn't see that blessing. I do a lot, I've done a lot of marriage counseling, and one of the things that's funny to me, it reminds me of an episode of Homer Simpson, and this is, happens in about every marriage counseling I, session I have. I ask the couples, would you uh, list out everything that you feel is a problem in the marriage separately? In an episode of Homer Simpson, they, uh, the counselor did that with Marge and with Homer. And so the next day, they're in a session. And I, I had this, I've had this happen a hundred times. And it says, Marge, you go first. Well, blah, 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 blah. The clock is ticking. Blah, 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 blah. Hours go by. Blah, 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 blah. And then he goes, and that's just about it. He goes, okay, Homer, picky, picky, picky. That's what he says to her. He didn't have anything. You know, and I'm not saying guys were dopes, but we're dopes, okay? And you can choose to count God's blessing like Homer Simpson or like Marge. Count, you know, can't we count flaws? You can count God's blessings the same way. A lot of times we'll say, what's going on? Well, and it's bad, 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 bad. Do we even count? Do you keep track? What do you keep track of? You know, I found myself on my iPhone doing keeping track of people that have left. Keeping track of the attendance, especially if it dwindles. Keeping track of the contribution. And not keeping track of, I'm still vertical. Keeping track of the blessings of my family, my marriage. Guys, I'll tell you, I, I, if I were to list my blessings, I think I would be like everybody else. We get so far and we go, I don't know whose list would stop sooner, but can I challenge you this week to start a list? Put it on the icebox. Let your kids help you with it. Just start putting down, these are blessings, and just start filling that list. Because do you think God blesses more? There's more better. That's a bad sense. There's more of better from, from, from the Lord than bad from life. There is. You may not realize it because you've been counting and keeping track of the wrong things. And that's what Asaph does here. He says, he says things like the Lord is good. To, he's good to those. He's good to those who have a pure in heart. He says, then he says at the end in verse 28, he says, I'm going to tell everybody about the wonderful things that you've done. He's learned by going to the temple, going to the, his sanctuary, he learns he's bitter, but he also learns he's blessed. And he counts those blessings. I read this this week. I don't know who said it, but let me share it with you. I never met a bitter person who was thankful or a thankful person who was bitter. Why not? Well, when I count my blessings, I can clearly see I've got it better. Let me encourage you to see the marvelous things that God is doing. Help! Let somebody else help you see those blessings. Don't wait for a celebration to share. Don't wait for a celebration to praise God for blessings. Our small group is getting together after church at my house. And one of the things we're going to do is share some blessings. We'll have our own little celebration. Share what you, God, you feel God has blessed you with. We could talk about bad stuff all day. I could. I could talk you in the ground, some of you. All the bad stuff has got going on in my life. I would rather praise God. We waste so much time focusing on the bad. Why not focus on the good? Focus on God's blessings. Are you better? 
I want to ask you, are you bitter? Do you have some bitterness? Is something out of sync with you and the will of God? That's a bitter root. It's going to, it's going to change how you see things, how you see your future, how you see your, the pre, your present condition. You want God to help you with that? Bring it to the Lord. How do you do that, Tim? Well, right now you can fill out a card. There's a card in your bulletin. And you can say, you know, I've got a bitter root. Not to say what it is. Just say, I have a bitter root. And why not? Why not do that? Use that because those cards, when we collect those cards, they go to our prayer ministry who pray and ask God to help you with that, what you're asking for. Maybe you need to decide to repent of being bitter. You, you, you realize, man, I'm a bitter person. I need to stop it. I need to stop being grumpy and cranky and be a little more pleasant. I need to be a little more patient. What, what's the root of the bitterness? Something God's done, something someone's done, or something you haven't done and you just self-contempt has got you bitter. Why not get it out and deal with it? Church isn't here just to make you feel good, guys. Church is here to change your life. Feelings will fade. By Tuesday, you might be back the same way you were unless you change something. Why not use this opportunity to do that? We're going to pray. Then we'll sing a song, giving you an opportunity to, to fill out that card. And then we'll sing another song. We'll take up those cards and our regular contribution. May God bless you. Finding peace. May God, may God help you discover the better. The better in life. Let's pray.